Let us begin our sermon with prayer. Gracious Lord, as we look at the various gifts you give to each of your sheep, we ask you to bless the words of today's sermon so that we can fully comprehend and put to use the gifts you have given to each one of us, so that we may glorify you in worship, praise, and thanks for all the grace you've given to us. Amen. Our text for our sermon is 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 through 11. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were deceived and somehow led away to mute idols. Therefore, I am informing you that no one speaking by God's spirit says a curse be upon Jesus. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are various kinds of gifts, but the same spirit. There are different kinds of ministries and yet the same Lord. There are various kinds of activity, but the same God who produces all of them in everyone. Each person is given a manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. To one person, a message of wisdom is given by the Spirit. To another, a message of knowledge, as the same Spirit provides it. By the same Spirit, faith is given to someone else. And to another, the same Spirit gives healing gifts. Another is given powers to do miracles. Another, the gift of prophecy. Another, the evaluating of spirits. Someone else, different kinds of tongues. And another, the interpretation of tongues. One and the same Spirit produces all these, distributing them to each one individually as he desires. This is the word of our Lord. We're in the epiphany season, and epiphany means to appear over, as the star appeared over the house that the baby Jesus was staying in and led the Magi to him. And throughout this epiphany season, as we do everyone, we look at things that truly show manifestations that Jesus is the Christ, true God who became true man. Now, our gospel lesson for this Sunday in 1 John chapter 2 is the first recorded miracle that Jesus ever did. He'd already picked up several of his disciples, uh, James and John, Peter and Andrew, Philip and Nathaniel, and they end up at this wedding feast for somebody who's probably a relative because of the role his mother seems to have in it. They run out of wine. And in fact, in our gospel lesson, we're told when the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, they have no wine. Jesus said to her, woman, what does that have to do with you and me? My time has not yet come. Now, it's for a whole sermon to wonder, what does Jesus mean? My time has not yet come. But by the fact that he does this uh, miracle really in secret, only a few people know about it, makes it pretty clear that Jesus isn't ready to just shine out with all of his glory. Perhaps it means he's not returning to his throne yet uh, so that he could uh, rule over all creation for us and provide these things. However, his mother in simple faith tells the servants, do whatever he tells you. In the long run, only the servants know. And imagine taking your bathtub, your kitchen sink, and, and filling that, turning the water in that into wine. But it's really good wine. And in the long run, John tells us at the end of that text in verse 11, this is the beginning of his miraculous signs Jesus performed in Cana of Galilee. He revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. That miracle was truly a blessing for the couple but it was so that the disciples would know, yes, this is truly Jesus. This is truly the Savior, the Christ, the Messiah. And lots of times we'll find when Jesus does miracles, Jesus never does them to, as a firework show to say, hey, look at how good I am. Look at how glorious I am. It's really done to provide for people. And as a second testimony, this New Testament hadn't been written yet, so that people would know, yes, this confirms that he is the Savior. So how sad is it that Today, 
you get Christians who, well, they really, when you listen, they want to do some of these miraculous powers and stuff that the apostles were able to do before the New Testament was written. And, and they want to do it, really, if you look at it, they want to pat their own ego and say, look how glorious I am. That's not how Jesus worked. And Jesus didn't do it to pat his own ego. He did it to confirm people's faith, to show them it was in the right place. And so the apostle Paul writes to the Corinthians because they have that very problem. They're pitting ministers against each other and they're, and they're busy bragging about gifts that some of them have that others don't. So today we're going to see that really God is glorified when you and I are saved. That's his grace. And then when we share that with others, God's glory is seen by them. So our sermon theme for today is shine with the radiance of Christ's glory. I'm going to preach on my own translation again because there's a few things I want to bring out. And in verse one, that begins. Now, brothers, I don't want you to be ignorant concerning the spiritual. And here, clearly by context, the spiritual is gifts, but it's spiritual things as a whole. He says, you have perceived that when you were Gentiles, you were being led uh, over and over to those mute idols so that they kept on being carried away. They weren't led once away. They were over and over again being led away. And, and the tense of the Greek language makes that clear what he was saying. You had a, 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 an illness, you had a pain, and you would go to this false idol. and You would offer up the things to try to get its favor. And well, that wasn't working. Go to the next one. And all the time, all it was doing was keeping them enslaved to the devil and on a path to hell. Today, we have different idols. Many people who are indifferent towards God or flat out reject him, what do they think the purpose of life is? I think a bumper sticker that says, he who dies with the most toys wins probably describes that. We get confused because we do need a roof over our head and floodwaters come and winds blow that roof off. And, and if we think it's about having nicer cars that are more reliable, and lots of times it's that simple, a reliable car, but they wear out and they break down. Some of the things we need for bare bones existence in this country, it's like those idols. They just keep slipping between our fingers. We can't hold them down. And what an existence then when... The best we can do is, is have more so that maybe we can go out on a weekend and, and have a little fun. But then the things we use to do that even wear out on us. What a pointless existence. And sadly, Christians today taking the eye off the prize of God can do the same thing themselves. When worship becomes about them and lots of times worship is about what's entertaining to me and uh, that I feel saved. And so they spend a lot of time making sure they're being entertained. And What happens when you whip up emotions so a person's excited? What comes up must come down. They're chasing after something that isn't focused truly on the Lord, although they miss that it isn't. And it can wear you out. On the way home from church, the emotions already start to crash. The entertainment is gone. Go home and turn on pagan entertainment that does the same thing. And we go the opposite end of the spectrum. People who think that if they bow enough times and cross themselves enough times, but once again, the focus is on their actions instead of the fact that God has become a man and saved us. Whenever we take our eyes off the Lord, life truly does lose its meaning, doesn't it? And we are enslaved by the devil. And so we're told for, in verse 3, For this reason I'm making known to you, that no one speaking in the sphere of the Spirit of God continues saying, Jesus be cursed. And no one is continually able to say, Jesus is Lord, 
except in the sphere of the Holy Spirit. Why is it important that I emphasize that the tense here is one of duration? They can't do it over and over again. Because I can read right here out of the Bible those words saying, Jesus be cursed. I can read that and, and, and still be a believer. I don't mean it. I'm simply reading the scriptures. It's to be able to do it over and over again. Not even care. Have a total indifference towards it. Unless the Holy Spirit's in our heart, we don't have faith. And if we don't have faith, we could care less about Christ. Even my, what we call uh, delinquent people, uh, they, they've quit caring about God, so they quit coming to the word. But the sad thing is, it's themselves that they're robbing. So when it comes to gifts and things like that, we constantly want the glory. And yet the thing that actually does good for us, that we ignore because we're so busy serving our sinful nature. But again, he also says, and no one is continually able to say Jesus is Lord, except in the sphere of the Holy Spirit. You've heard me say time and time again, we have to pay attention to the prepositions in the original inspired language. And notice this is the one where I always say it's like you got a, a fence around your yard and whatever is inside that fence, that's your property and your business. Everything outside, that's not your property. You can't make a decision for Christ even unless the Holy Spirit has already given you faith. People who want a stronger faith, if you will, wouldn't even want that unless the Holy Spirit had already given them faith. The only way to continually be able to recognize Jesus is Lord, he's God, he's the Savior, is if the Holy Spirit has created faith in your heart. And when that faith is in your heart, you're engrafted to Christ and you shine out with the works that proceed from faith. You end up wanting to glorify Jesus by sharing that faith with others. And Jesus himself is glorified. And again, in Jesus being glorified, it isn't that God is getting on an ego trip and yeah, look at how great I am. It's that others are brought into his love and made his children. So shine with the radiance of Christ's glory by letting the light of your faith shine. Our text continues... Now, there are diverse distributions of the gifts of grace, yet there is the same spirit. It's kind of interesting, the word that's used there, the Greek word, you know, so I translate diverse distributions. There are many different spiritual gifts, and they're distributed in different ways. I have served several different churches in my life, and there are some gifts that some congregations don't have. They don't need them. God gives them what they need. And sometimes you go to an area and you can really find very strong a gift from the Holy Spirit that isn't in another area because it's, it's needed there and maybe is, is unnecessary in another place. Diverse distributions. And so there, when we start focusing too much in a sinful way on the gifts that we want, we forget that, you know, as Paul will later on say in 1 Corinthians, not everyone can be the eye, not everyone can be the ear. Diverse distributions. The Holy Spirit gives what is needed where it's needed, and there's a diversity of that. Then we're told in verse 5, and there are diverse distributions of services, and there is the same Lord. Services? The Greek word is where we get the word deacon from. Different ways that we can diversely serve the Lord. And it's sad that too often we even get caught up on that. People, well... I don't have the grand, glorious, shining position of pastor where I can shine out with proclaiming and teaching the word of God. But do you know what? Sometimes too often people think that, for example, the Sunday school teacher is not important at all. Well, I can tell you, there are lessons I learned in life from Sunday school teachers, one of whom was asked to teach Sunday school when I was a child and I didn't know it at the time, but her husband was in prison. 
She still was a dear sister in Christ and taught me applications that stick with me to this day. So we have no business saying which one's more important, the gift of being able to be the pastor or the gift of being able to serve as the Sunday school teacher, because in God's kingdoms, there's diverse distributions and they're both needed. And let us not forget, for example, during the COVID virus, when uh, there's a lot we didn't know. And again, our media always runs for the sensational, the stuff that's going to scare people. When we reopened our church Those few people who were willing to come in and wipe surfaces down with things that would kill the COVID virus. If those people hadn't have been there, I'd be preaching to nobody. So there are diverse distributions and they're all meant in service to the Lord. But again, when God is glorified, his whole bride, the church is is glorified. So verse six says, and there are diverse distributions of workings. Yet there is the same God who is continually working all things in the sphere of all. You have the triune God working all the gifts that are needed and all the services that are needed and all the work that needs to be done. And they do it behind the scenes, but it's planned by God the Father. It's earned by Jesus who sends the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit gives the faith and then even distributes out the spiritual gifts as they're needed. And so we're told in verse 7, now the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each person so as to result in what is beneficial or advantageous. There again, The Holy Spirit literally manifested himself when he took on the form of a dove at Jesus' baptism and descended on him. Normally, where can you see the Holy Spirit? Well, you come to the Word. But you can also see him in churches faithfully using the gifts. Individual members, you can see him at work. And here, once again, for people who go, wow, I wish I could speak in tongues because they think that gift, it would show that they have the stronger faith. What benefit is that? It's the benefit to the sinful nature, to the ego, that's it. When the Holy Spirit manifests himself in spiritual gifts, it's done for the bride of Christ. The bride of Christ is the invisible church of which you are a member because you have faith in Jesus Christ. So the Holy Spirit and God the Father and God the Son, all these gifts are meant for the bride of Christ. They're meant to bring her into the faith and keep her in the faith and keep her cleansed. So shine with the gradients of Christ's glory by letting the light of your faith shine but by giving glory to the triune God. He's the one at work. And again, when, we are, when he is glorified, his bride is shining with the glory and she is kept as his bride, of which that would be you. You're brought to the faith and kept in the faith through the working of the Trinity so that the Holy so the Trinity is seen in your life. Now, on to individual gifts starting at verse 8. Indeed, on the one hand, the word of wisdom is being given to one person through the agency of the Spirit. And on the other hand, the word of knowledge is being given to another in accordance with the same Spirit. Now, here, the word of wisdom or a message of wisdom seems to be being able to express understanding. The person understands things about the word of God and is able to express that to others in their lives. And knowledge there seems to be able to have the information to share it. It's amazing to me how many people God put in my life, especially when I was younger, but still now, who have that wisdom and they're able to share it. Hang on a minute. God's word says this, and this is how it applies to you. And there's that, under, that, that ability, that knowledge that comes from Scripture and being able to share that as well. To be able to tell somebody, you're, you're misunderstanding this. Here is what the Scripture says, and here's the promise you need to cling to. We definitely see these gifts in every congregation that stands on the pure word of God. When they step away, they're denying the knowledge of the word of God. And so we, our text continues, to a different person, faith is 
in the sphere of the same spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit is the one who creates trust in us, creates the new man that knows that Jesus Christ is true God who became true man and has saved us. So if we're talking about individuals having this, others don't in the Christian uh, church in the bride of Christ, it can't be the faith that trusts in Jesus as Savior. And there's a lot of ink spilled here. You can ask different theologians about it. But I think the simplest explanation is, and I've met many people who have this, the ability to apply their faith. There are times when the proverbial floodwaters of life comes and the winds are blowing the roof off of the house. And as I mentioned, all the cars that you need to get to work are breaking down and things aren't going well with work and everything gets stressful. Sometimes the ability to apply the faith, and I have to do this to myself, is to say, surely God is not dead, Fred. God has a plan in this. There are people who are exceptionally gifted in applying that trust to God and saying that to others. You're not trusting that God is ruling behind the scenes, even though things are hard. He's using that for your good. Now, the next one we've got to talk a little bit about. Yet to another gifts of healings in the sphere of the one spirit. Yet to another person workings of power. That would be miracles. Yet to another person prophecy. Yet to another person discernment between spirits. To different persons kinds of tongues. Yet to another person interpretations of tongues. Entire Christian church bodies are built up saying, you're not really a Christian. You really don't have the Holy Spirit unless you can speak in these tongues or interpret them. And it's quite funny today, while Christians often very egotistically want those because they think it proves their faith, people studying them are able to recognize patterns and say, there's one person who sells your Ricky Cure or whatever, and everybody else starts following the pattern. And it looks ridiculous when you see it. Speaking in tongues in those days was given because it, John uh, will write the last book that we have of the New Testament, Revelation, just before 100 A.D. And up until that time, when the apostles came and stuff, these, the miracles were given to be able to confirm that the people had the word of God. Speaking in tongues, and even Paul will say in the epistle of Corinthians, it's pointless unless there's somebody there to interpret it. And yet the Corinthians, like so many Christians today, were busy elevating that one. I've heard Christians claim they have the gift of healing, and they don't today. Some of these gifts, I've heard of people where maybe they'd be able to use them, where they come in contact with a remote tribe or something like that, and God temporarily grants that so that the word of God can be communicated properly. But a lot of these things, we don't see them today because we have the word now and it, that they didn't have then. So it was a secondary witness to what the apostles were telling people. And the same is true of prophecy. And we see that a lot like in the book of Acts where people were able to tell, like Paul, uh, you go to Jerusalem, you're going to be arrested. Yet God wanted him to go to Jerusalem, so he would end up in Rome to testify and it would become a legal religion for a short period of time. So, but, so we got to understand that a lot of those gifts, there was a specific reason why God was giving them. They were second witness, just like when Jesus did miracles. Jesus himself was the word, but they were showing people you've put your faith in the right place. Today, we still have the gift of prophecy, but not in the way others think. And, and again, you can search the Internet and you'll find all kinds of Christians deceiving themselves. And I think some truly believe it. You know, well, this person's going to win the presidency and they're wrong or the coronavirus and they're wrong. It's just full of it. But the gift of prophecy is actually first and foremost telling the will of God. 
Sometimes it's a matter of just being able to know the scriptures and apply it. Not to pick on any particular sin in general, but it's one that comes up a lot. I've often had friends and people I serve as a pastor. They decide to ignore everything God's word has to say about marriage and, and, and about adultery, which is a commandment. And they decide to live together as if they're marriage, committing adultery and everything else because they're not married. And I tell them as their pastor, God is not going to bless this. And if God isn't blessing it, it's not going to go well for you. Ah, what do you know, pastor? You're just being mean. And then later they come to me like, how do you know? Because I know the word of God. You were living in a sin. You were embracing it. It's not that I have the gift of prophecy. I was able to know what the will of God was simply by his word and apply it. Now, of other things, though, we're told of those gifts. Now, the one in the same spirit is continually working all of these And it's because of that that we're able, even as verse 10 said, yet another person discern between spirits. That's being able to tell true teaching of the word of God from false teaching. That's being able to point out things like uh, what you're teaching, it sounds good to human ears, but it actually contradicts what God's word says. And it's also being able to discern between the law, which first and foremost accuses us of our sin, showing us we're damned in the gospel which gives us salvation, tells us your sins are forgiven and not being able to confuse the motivation. The law's motivation is fear. I don't want to burn in hell. The gospel motivates us to want to serve the Lord and glorify him because we recognize he loved us and and, and then we're glorifying him when we show love. So that discernment between spirits, that's definitely still there. And that, that comes from being in the word. The Holy Spirit also gives natural gifts. Like I said, for example... That person who was willing to sanitize our church, those few people, what a gift they gave to us in serving the Lord and God was glorified. So we're told now the one and the same spirit is continually working all these who is diversely distributing gifts to each person individually in proportion as he is willing. There are some gifts I don't have. There are gifts where I've served another church where I was amazed. That's what that church needed. And I had it at the time. Sometimes I have people tell me, Pastor, I don't know what my gift is. And it's usually one of two things. The first one is, again, that ego trip. Well, you're not serving the Lord. Of course you don't know what your gift is. You plop down in the pew, often not even every Sunday, and then you beat feet out of here. And then there's the person who says it, who it's like, you've got to be kidding me. You don't know what your gift is. And that's really a compliment to them. I'm not condemning them there. When you're gone on a Sunday, I, as the pastor, notice a difference in the congregation. You have the gift of love. You have the gift of encouragement. God works so mightily through you. Our congregation aches when you just miss one Sunday. Those people are serving the Lord and they're glorifying God, but their ego is completely out of it. And so they recognize, they might not recognize how much the Spirit's working through them, but he is, and he gives in proportion as he's willing, where he sees is the right thing according to his will. Not the human will, not the human need to be glorified. Sometimes we've got to remember, for example, churches that are struggling financially, sometimes that can be quite a gift from God that they are. It keeps them focused, but if their focus then becomes that we don't have the money and their focus becomes on the money, they've taken their eyes off the prize of God's glory. So shine with the radiance of Christ's glory by faithfully using the gifts God, God has given to you because God gives them to the portion that you and the congregation you belong to and the entire bride of Christ, the invisible church needs. 
So yes, Jesus, the first miracle that's ever recorded. And actually, when you turn the page from John chapter two and you get to John chapter three and he meets with Nicodemus right after Jesus has cleansed the temple for the first time, Nicodemus says of the Sanhedrin, we know that you are from God because no one could do the miracles you're doing unless they were sent by God. We're not told of any of those miracles. They're not recorded. They weren't done so that Jesus could just give off a fireworks show. They were done to confirm the faith. And and Nicodemus connected those dots and so did the Sanhedrin, who would later plot to murder him. Nicodemus didn't. This guy has to be from God, which shows how much they rejected God when they plotted his murder. But all that was really meant to confirm that he is the Christ so that people people could know that they were right in trusting in him. And his glory was seen not through a fireworks display of miracle, but by by the miracles that showed people your faith is in the right place. And actually by the word he proclaimed that the Holy Spirit worked through to give them faith. So shine with the radiance of Christ's glory by letting the light of your faith shine, by giving glory to the Trinity, and by faithfully using the gifts God has given to you. Amen. Now let the peace of Christ rule in your heart, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Amen.